0: Okay, namo myoho renge kyo, namo myoho renge kyo, namo myoho renge kyo. I tried to have my new puppy sit here through one of these uh, sessions, but she's just too excited about a new space, and even though I thought she was going to just sleep in her bed, but uh, yeah, she got excited just like a little kid. Uh, Here's a little clip of... Just introducing her to you. and If you're interested, it's, it's just a few seconds, and then we'll get back to it. Okay, so that's Jewel. Um, just wanted to introduce our, our new member. <laughs> and uh, now that I've I had my patron, Sandra, come and fetch her so uh, she can be attended to while I do this. Receipt of Prophecy by 500 Disciples. And we just finished the gatha section of the first part of this chapter. At that time, the 1,200 arhants, those who stayed at the assembly, didn't leave, masters of their own thoughts, thought, We are overjoyed, having gained something we have never had before. So this is where the Arhans find out, the Arhats find out uh, in this, so far, seven or eight now we're in the eighth chapter, that what they thought they had achieved was, in fact, not complete and perfect enlightenment, that now uh, their ability to practice the Bodhisattva level of the teachings of Shakyamuni was now available to them. It wasn't some thing they would have to uh, be rebirthed in some future life, right? That That's all not a correct understanding that uh, rebirth is moment to moment to moment to moment to moment to moment, right? Not complete lifetimes. When we go extinct, we go extinct. So if you want to attain perfect and complete enlightenment, well, you need to do it right now in this life, Hmm. So not having known that before, they're now introduced to that and they're seeing, oh my goodness, the opportunity we thought we had reached, but now now Shakyamuni is teaching us that we can do it right now. We don't have to be in our last body and only attain what we have attained, that there is the full and complete enlightenment we can actually experience before we leave this mortal coil, if you will. So, if the world-honored one would confer on each of us a prophecy, as he has done for the other great disciples, would that not be a cause for joy? Well, he already has you. (laughs) But, you know, still they need reassurance. Well, as the Dolores Sutra moves on, as he has already Begun to prescribe to everyone at the assembly how to be a bodhisattva, still they're not quite getting it, are they? They're just getting that they're able to, but they don't understand that it's on them to do. So they're still asking permission. Tell us, tell us we can do this. Well, isn't that what he's been doing? Uh, maybe it's the formalism of teaching. Maybe it's the stubbornness of not believing until somebody tells you you can. I'm not quite sure, but the format seems to indicate that unless Shakyamuni, the man, tells them, you'll be a Buddha, just do it, they don't quite believe that it's accessible to them. See, that's what we're seeing here, right? So let's go on and see what happens. The Buddha, knowing the thoughts in their minds, hmm. declared to Mahakasyapa, On these 1,200 arhats, I will now manifestly and in order confer a prophecy of Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi." Okay, yes you can. Of this multitude, my disciple, Kundinya Bhikshu, shall make offerings to 62,000 of millions of Buddhas, and, having done so, shall be able to achieve Buddhahood, being called universal lustrous, a thus-come-one, worthy of offerings, of right and universal knowledge, his clarity and conduct perfect, well-gone, understanding the world, and unexcelled worthy, a regulator of men of stature, a teacher of gods and men, a Buddha, a world-honored one. His 500 Arhans, Urubika, and a list of names here, Kunda, which we hear about again in the uh, Mahaparinirvana Sutra, Svagata and others shall all attain Anuttara Samyaksambodai, all of them called the same name universally lustrous. So if you haven't caught on by now, all of these Buddhas are you and I. They're the people, everyone's Buddha nature already exists. What he will be doing by communicating, meeting all of these Buddhas is that he will be, as a Bodhisattva, inspiring them to aspire and awaken Buddha in their minds, in their sentient consciousness right? That's the formula here. He keeps repeating it, and it still manages to elude many of the people in the assembly, though they're very excited that they're now finding out they can. So maybe we should give them credit for that, right? Because they've gone on for years thinking it simply wasn't something accessible to them, even though he's been teaching it for a long time, to just culturally, capacity-wise, they just couldn't they still see Shakyamuni as the source. They need to know the source is within them, within us. It's on us to enlighten ourselves. Right? At that time, the world-honored one, wishing to restate the meaning of this, proclaimed Gathas. Kudinaya, uh, Kaudina, Bhikshu shall see incalculable Buddhas, everyone he meets, right? Or comes into contact with. And only after having traversed an Asamkaya Kalpa, shall achieve undifferentiating right enlightened intuition. Buddhaness. Ever emitting a glow, he shall perfect the supernatural penetrations, his name, bruited about in all ten directions, shall be honored by all. He shall ever preach the unexcelled way, right, Bodhisattva, and hence shall be called universally lustrous. His land shall be pure, his Bodhisattvas, all courageous and mighty, shall all mount wondrous towers and frolic in the realm of the ten directions of unexcelled offerings, making presents to the Buddhas. Now, I'll interpret this once again, because you need to understand what he's saying is as you behave as a bodhisattva, somebody in samsara, a human being with sentient mind, with an awakened ninth consciousness, your Buddhaness, you will influence all that you encounter or that encounter you. And as such you will have a glow about you, the influence, the aura, the the uh, what have I said in the past, the the radiance of your ninth consciousness. Right? This is why it's important for us to keep that awake more and more during the day. Keep chanting Namo myo Rengeko. keep invoking it. Right? You'll have challenges during the day, but remind yourself, oh yes, namo myo-rengeko, namo myo-rengeko. It doesn't have to be in front of the Buddha. Just invoke Buddha. Hmm? And thusly, you will, we would say, convert, but I think what you're doing is inspiring others to go, I can do that. I can do that. Are you sure I can do that? Everything we're reading, right? Doubt? Is that really available to me? Could I do that? I don't know if I can do that. Right? This is what we're reading here that questioning, that doubt, and yet knowing. Right? Every chapter has reinforced this dilemma of access to Buddhahood, blah, not being sure if we can actually achieve it. What is that? That's just samsara getting in the way what we would then invent personages like Mao and the the evil uh, right the mara all the demons but all those demons can turn around and support us in an instance if we simply decide to awaken our enlightened mind but boy samsara is a tough beast to slay cuz we're so attached to it right that's all we know from Birth, (laughs) right? What does it say? Cradle to grave? That's samsara. But at the same time, this very samsara is our opportunity to go, aha, renge, enlightenment. Oh, how amazing. That's the quest to stay there. So how do we do it? This is what Shakyamuni is slowly bringing about in this assembly to understand. So he says, uh, he shall preach the unexcelled way and hence shall be called universally lustrous. His land will be pure, right? Because when you awaken your ness, everything works, everything makes sense. Everything has a resolve. Hmm? His bodhisattvas all courageous and mighty because You inspire those around you to aspire to this same reality. But this is the quest in samsara, in this physical form, to awaken the Buddha mind. It doesn't happen after you die, right? It only happens while your mind is alive. All right. Shall all mount wondrous towers and frolic in the realms of the ten directions of unexcelled offerings, making presents to the Buddhas. In other words, they're going to do the same thing as you are. They're going to, you tell them how to enlighten themselves, their lives become wonderful and they become like you, right? Prof- profligating to, Propagating, spreading the word so others will do the same and so on and so forth. In the ten directions. You don't know how far your influence will go. None of us do. But one thing is certain. Your influence will manifest broadly. Beyond your... And in fact, in your buddha nest, you have confidence in that. You know that that's happening. You don't have to be sitting there witnessing it. You witness it in the engine of life engaged with it fully. Hmm? When they have made these offerings, their hearts shall harbor great joy, undoubtedly, and briefly they shall return to their original realm. What does that mean, friends? Because you're still a samsaric being, you will see the effects of this teaching, the awakening, the awakening in others around you, they doing the same thing, but you're still in samsara, so you're still experiencing samsara, and yet with a Buddha consciousness. yeah. Such are the supernatural powers they shall have, coursing as bodhisattvas in the physical world in the Buddha way. That Buddha's lifespan shall be sixty thousand kalpas. Your influence will last a long time. His true Dharma shall last twice that long. The teachings that you have shared with those who share them with others who share them with others who, right to the fiftieth person, we've heard that analogy from Shakyamuni already, shall not be diminished and his counterfeit dharma shall in turn last twice the length of that. In other words, the dharma leading up to the ultimate dharma, because he's still nurturing arhants, charvakas, pratyakabuddhas. And so he realizes that using the three teaches as an ex- teachings as a, an expedient device may have to be employed with certain People, but ultimately they will graduate to the ultimate Dharma, right? The one vehicle. So that's his kind of one concession, concession, concession to having to raise some people's capacity still, right? We're now in Mapo, though, so this is an age which we'll learn about later where no other teaching will satisfy. Simply the one teaching is what. Enables anyone, but at the time of this reading, three thousand years ago, or however many you want to agree to, right? This came later, long after uh, Shakyamuni's uh, extinction, as far as a written document. But orally, the last several years of his life, this is what he taught, and he was teaching to people of limited capacity. So he's giving them stepping stones still as he's offering them the ultimate teaching. You follow? Okay. When that Buddha becomes extinct, extinct, it doesn't say when he dies, when he leaves this earth, when he goes on to his next life, he doesn't say that. He very specifically says, when that Buddha becomes extinct. And this isn't the only sutra where he says, uses this kind of language or this translation, but it's very specific, isn't it? Gods and men shall mourn. The 500 bhikshus shall in turn become Buddhas, identically named universally lustrous. They shall confer prophecies each on his successor, quote, after my passage into extinction, such a, a one shall become a Buddha, the world that he shall convert beings like this of mine today, the chaste purity of his land, as well as his powers of supernatural penetration, his multitudes of bodhisattvas and voice hearers, his true dharma and counterfeit dharma, as the number of kalpas in his lifespan shall, be, shall all be, as I have just said." So in turn, each of us will do this. In other words, as Nichiren says, emulate my life. Shakyamuni is saying the same thing. When you attain Anuttara Samyaksambodai, perfect and complete enlightenment, this is what you'll be affirming and inspiring, radiating to others to do as you have done, as I have done. This is the path to the one vehicle of a perfect and complete enlightenment. Kashyapa, you now know the 500 self-masters, the multitude of remaining voice hearers shall also be like this. As for those not in this assembly, you must explain it to them. So he's even including, although the assembly is representative of a vast swath of human consciousness, there are still those who are completely ignorant about Buddhism. And at some point, it is our responsibility to reach out to them with expedient devices. Hmm? At that time, now that he's done with the Gathas, the 500 Arhants, having received a prophecy in the Buddha's presence, danced for joy, then, rising from their seats, went into the Buddha's presence, where, with head bowed, they did obeisance to his feet, repented of their transgressions. We're sorry we didn't see this before. We're sorry that we thought we had achieved something when we really hadn't. Right? And reproached themselves, saying, Oh, world-honored one, we have, constantly ha- we have been constantly having this thought, saying to ourselves, We have already gained the ultimate passage into extinction. Now, at last, we understand it. We know we have been like ignoramuses. (laughs) An interesting word. (laughs) What is the reason? We should have gained the thus-come-one's wisdom, yet we were content with petty knowledge. We are to be likened to the following case. There is a man who arrives at a house of a close friend where he gets drunk on wine, then lies down. At that time, his friend, having official business, is on the point of going away when he sews a priceless jewel into the interior of the first man's garment and departs, leaving it with him. The first man, laid out drunk, is unaware of anything. When he has recovered, he sets out on his travel, then reaches another country where he devotes every effort to the quest for food and clothing. He's struggling. He suffers such hardships that he is is content with however little he may get. Do you see a consistency in the parables so far? We think we're deprived, so we act like we're deprived. Sound familiar? Then his friend, encountering him by chance, speaks these words to him. He says, alas, sir. How can you have come to this for the sake of mere food and clothing? Once I, wishing to afford you comfort and joy, as well as the natural satisfaction of your skandhas, your five desires, in such and such a year, on a certain day of a certain month, sewed a priceless jewel into the inside of your garment. Surely it is still there. Yet you, not knowing of it, evidently, have suffered pain and grief in quest of a livelihood. How foolish you've been. Now you need only take this jewel, exchange it for what you need, and have things always as you wish, suffering neither want nor shortage. This is what the Arhats say they're like. They're like somebody who's had this priceless knowledge, this ultimate way of attaining Anuttara Samyaksamodai, perfect and complete enlightenment, And yet acting completely ignorant of it, satisfying themselves with lesser vehicles and ultimately a lesser goal, thinking they had achieved what they had not. You see? The Buddha is also thus. When he was a bodhisattva, he taught and converted us, inspiring us the thought of all knowledge. But later we forgot and thus neither understood nor were aware of anything. You taught us all of this, but we didn't hear it. Having achieved the way of the Arhant, we said to ourselves that this was passage into extinction. This is the best we can hope for. We were so hard-pressed to support life that we were satisfied with what little we got, though the vow concerning all knowledge still there had never lost its effect. Now the world-honored one, to make us aware, says to us, Bhikshus, what you have gained is not ultimate extinction. I have long caused you to plant the roots favorable to Buddhahood, and recently, by resort to expedient device, I made a display of these signs of nirvana. You have been imagining, however, that you had in fact achieved the passage into extinction. Uh -uh. World-honored one. We now know, at last, that we, that we are, in fact, bodhisattvas. In other words, that's what we need to be doing. That we have gained a prophecy of Anuttara Samyaksambhalai. We need to get off our butts now and stop thinking we would achieved, by proper lament, some extinction. We haven't finished the practice. We haven't finished our path. For this reason we are very greatly overjoyed, having gained something we had never had before. It's a similar refrain to what we heard earlier from the Shavakas, and the right? At that time Ajnata Kaundinya and his fellows wishing to restate this meaning proclaimed Gathas, saying Having heard the unexcelled sound of the prophecy of tranquility, and being, well, not the world of tranquility, but equanimity, right? And being delighted at something we had never had before, we do obeisance before the Buddha of incalculable wisdom. Now, in the presence of the world-honored one, we freely repent our transgressions and faults. For in the midst of incalculable Buddha jewels, we have acquired but a slight share of nirvana. Like ignorant, foolish men, we imagined we had enough. It may be likened to this case. A destitute man goes to the house of a close friend. The house, very great and rich, is fully stocked with delicacies. Taking a priceless jewel, the rich man attaches it to his friend's garment inside. Then leaving it in silence, he goes away. While his friend, lying down at the time, is aware of nothing. The latter, having arisen, travels to the an- another country where, seeking food and clothing, he supports himself, but the maintenance of his life is very hard. Right? Samsara just chooses what he knows his attachments, his accrual, his survival. Thinks that that's life, right? Life is suffering, the first noble truth, right? That's what he's talking about. He is satisfied with little, the little that he gets, because he thinks that's what he's worth. And has no wish at all for good things. Uh, maybe he envies and sees good things, but they're not attainable to him, so he doesn't bother too much with thinking about it. Although, hmm, right? He is unaware that inside his garment there is priceless jewel. Inside his mind. His garment is his mind, the way he perceives the world. Right? Right, guys? Right, ladies? It's what we do. We have an idea of the world and we mirror it. Without thinking that we can be far beyond that vision of the world, because that vision of the world is tangible. It's our samseric reality. I've got this, I've got that, I've got that, I'm getting more of that, I'm getting rid of that. We think that's life, right? The close friend who gave him the jewel later sees this poor man and having sternly rebuked him, what the heck are you doing? shows him the jewel tied to the garment. The poor man, seeing this jewel, is overjoyed at heart. I've been an idiot. I had no idea that I had this available to me. Right? In his wealth, he comes to own various precious objects, able to satisfy his five desires at will. We are, we also are thus. Well... It's an unfortunate analogy because it means now you can have all the goodies that you've always wanted. It's not about that. It's about the ability transcending the limitations that we had from samsaric mind to buddhaness, right? But, you know, you know his audience. You know who he's talking to. Hmm? For the world honored one throughout the long night of time, ever in his pity, teaching and converting has caused us to plant the seeds of the unexcelled vow because we were ignorant, imperceptive, and also unknowing have gained a trifling portion of nirvana. An idea of nirvana that was woefully incomplete, certainly not perfect. We were satisfied And sought no further. Oh, well, this is our lot, right? How many people do you know live that way? How much of your life have you spent that way? This is the best I can achieve. Done. Now the Buddha has made us aware. Oh, What? Saving that this saying that this is no real passage into extinction. You haven't accomplished your maximal potential. You haven't even come close. We have gained the Buddha's unexcelled wisdom, which now for the first time we take to be true extinction. Holy crap, this is amazing. Now I've got something I've not even explored yet. Now, having heard from the Buddha, our Buddha mind, the matter of the adornment by prophecy, as well as the successive prophecies of each Buddha to his successor. We are thoroughly delighted in body and mind. Why does he say that? Because body, samsara, mind, also in samsara, but an emergent property that changes all perception. Right? This paradigm shift of Buddhahood allows us to experience the mundane from a position of cosmic proportion of moment-to-moment realization, of manifesting full potential instead of just taking some potential and making that the ceiling of our life and worldview. We break that ceiling. We bust it wide open. And now everything is sky. Right? So that leads us to prophecies conferred on learners and adepts. Chapter 9. We'll begin that in the next video. So, as we progress in the Lotus, we get reintroduced to the same idea to different levels, depending on who's listening, who's asking. The message is going to come through until we finally get to the second half of the Lotus Sutra, the essential teachings. We're now... All the devices of these preparatory teachings there 'll be more, but the essential teaching of Bodhisattvaness right Bodhisattva life in samsara to instantiate this Buddha mind there there 's just no disguises anymore right there's no three vehicles there 's no come on, why do you need more little gold stars to know you can do this it 's going to be challenging, and direct. We're not there yet, but you can see how we're building, right? So, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Please take a few seconds to like and subscribe just to help propagate this resource, yeah? And you know, in the description, links to the website, to the e- e- ebooks, books uh, print books, the mandala, the correct Nichiren-inscribed mandala, a correct Nietzschean-inscribed mandala, not inscribed by, you know, uh, what was that movie? Ted and uh, somebody. Great Adventure. <laughs> Tedly. <To Italy. laughs> anyway, we don't want that scroll. We want Nietzschean scroll, right? Um, anyway, the resource, all the free stuff, make yourself available to it uh, so that it supports and... Oh, This is all about Supporting your practice, confidence, strength, knowing, right? That's how it works. Nichiren tells us all the time, single-mindedly. Shakyamuni says it all the time. Single-mindedly, with that kind of strength of conviction, that's how this works. That's what it takes to defeat Mara, to defeat the samsaric monkeys that want to say, yeah, but, you know, you need another guitar. You needed this and that. Shut up. They, yeah, guitars are great. But from an enlightened perspective, oh, music is great. Right? Anyway, uh, without further ado, I will see you in the next one. Please take care of your health. And uh, until next time, as I've taken to say, bye for now. <laughs>